Hi, I'm Giacomo Mancini, and welcome to Research 2030, an Elsevier podcast series in which our guest experts discuss, debate, and dissect the complex topics faced by research institutions today. In this episode, we are excited to share with you a conversation recorded by our colleagues over at UIDP, an organization that focuses on strengthening university industry partnerships. They recently interviewed our Senior Vice President of Research Networks at Elsevier, Carlos Enrique de Brito Cruz. As a former researcher, university leader, funder, and now enabler of collaborations, Carlos has a unique perspective on these partnerships. He shares his thoughts on some of the highs and the lows, the role of the triple helix structure, and how data can not only help identify potential partners, but track collaboration impact. He also touches on the importance of investing for the long term, and muses on why the model of government and university collaboration is so often overlooked. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to UIDP Conversations, where we have candid discussions about partnership and collaboration across academia, industry, and government. I'm Sandy Ma with UIDP, and today I'm joined by Carlos Enrique de Brito Cruz, Senior Vice President of Research Networks at Elsevier. He previously served for 15 years as the science director of the Sao Paulo Research Foundation in Brazil and as former chair of the Global Research Council Governing Board. Welcome, Dr. Debrito Cruz. Thank you for having me, Sandy. It's a pleasure to be here. You have been active in fundamental and applied research around the world, from Bell Labs in New Jersey to prestigious laboratories in Rome, Paris, and Brazil. In the 1990s, you became a public champion for significantly building up research capacity, not just for Brazil, but internationally. What's your philosophy of research collaboration? What role should government play? And what should be the role of industry to collaborate with universities and research as well? Well, that's uh, one of the most interesting things in in my mind about science, the idea of collaboration. That collaboration helps the advancement of science and helps the quality of science. And, of course, governments, in my view, have a a very important role in the sense that governments are able or not to create an environment where collaboration is not only possible, but it is fostered. And governments can do that through funding, through having a good environment in relation to, for example, intellectual property, and in keeping institutions that value merit and the quality of research. And, of course, universities and industry usually are the most important uh, actors in this kind of environment. Universities have the unique role of training professionals and training the next generation of researchers. And in doing that, universities work worldwide to advance knowledge, to advance science and to advance technology. And industry also advances technology and advances science and uses that to create development, to create opportunities, to create profit, to create jobs. And universities and industry collaboration is is one of the 
key aspects of driving an economy and driving an innovative economy. So would you say then that it should be a triad, that government and universities and industry should be working together toward these ends? Oh, of, of course, by all means. I think that they, they even gave a name to this triad a number of years ago, the tri- triple helix or, or something, which is a good description of this in the sense that it's the three are intertwined and the advancement depends on the three, not on only two or only one. And countries that manage to create the best environment for this uh, interaction between the three entities achieve very, very good results in terms of development, in terms of the economy, and in terms of improving their societies. Well, in late 2020, your career took a new direction when you became Senior Vice President of Research Networks for Elsevier. What is it about this new work you're doing that makes it exciting to get up every morning? Oh, it is really exciting, Sandy. It's the, well, you know, research networks. That's my, my, the division I work in, which has everything to do with collaboration, right? Networks are collaborations. And my role at Elsevier is to work with research funders and research leaders to create collaborations that would allow uh, Elsevier to improve its analytics tools like Scopus and Saival, the large, huge, I would say, databases of publications and bibliometrics. And that would also allow funders and research leaders to advance their institutions. For example, one of the biggest challenges today for research funders all over the world, I've seen that in Brazil when I was leading one of the main research funders there, and I see that everywhere, is the challenge of demonstrating to the taxpayer that funding research today will bring benefits in a number of years or in a number of months or in a number of decades. It could be any any time scale. But that is, is a big challenge and more and more data can help those research leaders to improve those demonstrations and also to learn about how their organizations are working and then to improve the organization. And coming from a background of having to leverage what funding you had available to get a lot of research done in the most important areas, can you speak to the value of having this intelligence to be able to pinpoint where the next ideas should be going? Yeah, this intelligence is, is really helpful because it allows organizations to learn about their capabilities, which means where they are strong and where they are not strong, because it's not only about finding your strengths, it's finding about your weaknesses and then fixing them. And it also helps organizations to find common ground, for example, between university and industry, topics in which one is strong, the other is weak, and they partner together to make both advance. So it's uh, this type of bibliometric data can really be of help, but it can also do harm. 
And we see many times organizations using in the wrong way bibliometric data, for example, to evaluate researchers' curricula. They tend to, I, I don't know, the research community and some organizations tend to fall in love with some very simple indicators and believe that the indicator is telling them the truth about reality when it's not. So it's very, very important to look at the data and to use a, a basket of indicators that allow one to approximate better what happens in reality. I think that's an excellent point because people think data might have all the answers and data is touted as giving us all the answers. But it's the analysis of that data and the information that we're able to bring from it that really help us in decision-making. Absolutely, yeah. The information is, is what we, we look for. I, I always remember when I was a, a student, I, I used a book on numerical calculus, which had in its frontispiece the sentence, the purpose of calculation is insight, not numbers. The purpose of data is insight, not a big table of numbers which, is, which are not understood by those. So it's very, very important to understand how data can become indicators and how indicators can become insight. Funding for research collaboration has long been a focus of your work. The recent pandemic has made it very clear that the value of funding basic research and also translational research has incredible societal benefit. How can data help us to better direct future funding priorities? We shouldn't think that data can substitute for researchers' brains and ideas. Many times researchers make decisions and have their ideas not because they look at it, the data bit, but because they have a connection to the problem they are dealing with. When I was a scientist in my laboratory, it, most of the time when I decided which one of the thousands of mirrors I had on top of my tabletop to direct the lasers, it, many times it was not because of any data that I had measured. It's because of a feeling that I had that, okay, the problem is here or the problem is there. So we, we shouldn't be mesmerized by data. Data is very helpful, very helpful. However, people's minds are more helpful than data. From your perspective, is the innovation ecosphere on the upswing? Is investment in science and technology gaining ground? I, uh, I'm optimistic. And I, I believe that there is a, even though many or most countries are facing huge challenges with the pandemic, still there is a, a situation in which the role and the relevance of science and research became much more visible for everyone everywhere. So people, newspapers, the TV, everyone, they are talking about which are the discoveries that led to an mRNA vaccines and is this paper published or is this a preprint? Has it been peer-reviewed or not? So it's a completely different discussion about research 
as compared to the discussion that existed five years ago. So there is a, there are many, many possibilities. And it seems to me that there are also many possibilities and there is a growing interest and a growing acceptance of the idea of going back to our first uh, discussion, collaboration between universities and industries, which is a topic which has many tensions inside it, both in industry and in universities. However, it also brings many, many benefits. And I've seen, for example, in Brazil, when I worked for the Sao Paulo Research Foundation, how it was important to have government actions that would make long-term, long-term, I mean seven, ten-year university industry joint research centers possible because the government had the idea of creating certain types of legislation that would make it feasible for industry to get involved in this kind of of collaboration in which the results are not going to come next week or next month. They are going to come in the shape of new ideas that might become something in five years or six years. So investment in the basic or fundamental research areas are what we need to build on? Absolutely. And, but but, it, but it, I would say it's not only the thing about basic and fundamental research, which are very important. Throughout my life, I worked with basic research. But there is also, in when you talk about university industry connections, there is this thing about the learning curve. <clears throat> each side, each organization, industry needs to learn about how university researchers think and vice versa. And not only in general, but they need to learn about those particular researchers they are collaborating with. And this is a learning curve which has a rise time which, in my experience, it's usually measured in six months, seven months. So if you, if you have a project which is contracted, which has a duration of two years, you are going two years, you are going to spend about half of the time or 40% of the time learning how to interact. Now, if you have a 10-year time scale, then the overhead of effort becomes much less burdensome on the on the results. And once after those six, seven months they learn how to work together, it goes like nice, it flows nicely. So philosophically, would you say that those long-term commitments are bound to be more productive, even given the number of years? I would think that the long-term commitments help in the sense that allow for a better matching of the interests and the logic of university and industry, which are different interests and different logics, right? For example... Uh, in industry, the failure of a research project can, can be something very bad. I mean, you lose money, you lost time, your competitors advanced and everything. In universities, the failure of a research project still helps you to educate your students. They learn about electromagnetism 
if the research works or if the research does not work because they used Maxwell's equations, they did their stuff, they tested the antenna, and they learned, okay, that's not the way to build the antenna. And that will be valuable in their education. So educating students is a powerful mitigation factor in universities against the failure of a research idea, which does not exist in the industry or exists to a much lesser extent. What else would you like to share? Well, I would just add that when we talk about collaboration, uh, it's very important to have interinstitutional collaboration like university industry, university government, which is also very relevant because most of the time people tend to think that only industry needs university ideas to perform better. But the government also needs good ideas to perform better. And they can find some of those ideas in universities or in research institutions. That's one one thing. And the other thing is that International collaboration in research, I, I also see as very, very important. It's, uh, I mean, the world of science and the world of research is, is large. And more and more, there is no country that is able to have all the capabilities they need. 30 years ago, it was possible, but I believe that the, the complexity of uh, complexity of the world is making that more more visible. So that international collaboration, which could be international collaboration, for example, among universities, but it could be a university in one country, industry in another country, a research institution in a third country, because communication became so so convenient and so accessible today. So. There is interinstitutional collaboration and there is international collaboration in research that should be exploited to help us advance faster and better. Thank you to Carlos Enrique de Brito Cruz, Senior Vice President for Research Networks at Elsevier, for joining us today for UIDP Conversations. UIDP supports professionals at top-tier innovation companies and world-class universities build better partnerships. Learn more at UIDP.org. Listening to Carlos, it's clear that he feels successful collaboration is not just about industry and universities working together. He believes that governments also have an important role to play by creating an environment that supports and encourages collaboration particularly long-term relationships. For Carlos, government-university collaboration, a model that is seldom discussed, is also crucial. In this case, for stimulating new ideas and thinking about ways to improve the societies that we live in. In fact, Carlos believes that successful collaborations, whatever shape they take, not only drive national economies, but ensure those economies are innovative. It was also interesting to hear his views on the value of research intelligence in the form of data. It helps universities and industry identify their respective research strengths, weaknesses, and common ground. Importantly, data offers universities a much needed way to demonstrate their societal impact. We want to thank Carlos and particularly UIDP for allowing us to share their conversation with you. 
If you have any questions or comments about this episode or the podcast in general, we would love to hear them. Please send us an email at research2030 at elsevier.com. That's research2030 at E-L-S-E-V-I-E-R.com. Again, I'm Giacomo Mancini, and thank you for listening to this episode of Research 2030. Oh, and please don't forget to sign up to Research 2030 on your favorite podcast provider. That way you'll be the first to hear about new episodes.